Welcome to another exciting episode of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision's magazine, where we chat about the latest Sega and video game news and complain about how damn cold it is outside. Yeah, I'm you're telling me. Chris, <laughs> the editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week is Sketchcraft. Hey, what's up, everybody? And also Marson. What's up, um, man? I'm also no longer freezing my tits off anymore, so that's good. We've been getting a crazy polar vortex out here on the East Coast, um, and I think I think I saw at some point earlier in the week that it was colder in Chicago than the North Pole or something crazy like that. It was uh, like how- Antarctica, Siberia, and whatnot. Um, it was negative 15, but the wind chill made it feel like it was negative uh 35 that's insane yeah so i actually was able to work from home thursday or wednesday and thursday initially they're like time weren't you i was in my pants i was just wearing pants but that was about (laughs) it uh but yeah so it was they said, all right, well, you can work from home on Wednesday, and then we'll see you Thursday. And then I'm, like, looking at the weather, and I'm, like, it's the exact same temperature as it was on Wednesday. So why the fuck would I go into work on Thursday? And then they emailed us, like, a couple of hours before, and they are like, yeah, you don't have to come in. So it was terrible because I had to go outside one of those days, so I wore, like, seven layers of clothes. Um and I had to sho- shovel my car out too. On top of that, so that was fun. You know, I've always wondered when it gets past like negative five, does it really feel any more cold? I think so. Because I don't know, man. I I, w- I was I lived in Montana for three years uh, in the early two thousands, and it got pretty cold. But it was uh, what they call a dry cold. It, there wasn't a lot of humidity, so it never felt. I guess as cold as it was outside. Cause there were times where it got in the negatives there and it, it would definitely get cold, but it didn't feel super, super cold, I guess mm. without the humidity. But um, yeah, I mean, we're getting out here on the East coast too in Jersey. We got about an inch of snow yesterday and it's about 15 degrees outside. It's been in the, the single digits most of the week, uh, but it's so it's crazy. Like it's this cold today, but by Sunday, it's supposed to be heating up up until like the 50s and 60s on Monday. Yeah. The weather's crazy. That's around what my uh, week end is going to be like, 40s. Damn. Uh, what, 40s. What's the weather out there for you, Rob? Uh, it's super nice. It's in the, it's in the <laughs> mid-40s. Clear. Still taking um, your like daily strolls about, just enjoying life. Yeah, pretty much. My, my life is fun. I'll tell you what you don't hear about right now. You don't hear about those guys lined up for Star Wars a year in advance, right? With the polar vortex, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, true. like where's those, where's those hard crew, hardcore, five uh, zero first snowtrooper dudes? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we can brave it, you know, imperial, imperial. You know? <laughs> None of those guys. No way, uh, Marson. Uh, you been playing anything this week? It's just been Resident Evil 2, honestly, since I got it whenever it was released. Um, yeah, it's been good. And I'm, I, I, am, I really applaud Capcom for their, um, the amount of effort that they put into it and the detail and Easter eggs and all that stuff. It, it's really good. So that's what I've been playing. And I hate Mr. X. Fuck that top-hatted motherfucker. <laughs> 
Um, Rob, uh, what have you been doing other than enjoying the weather? Uh, I've been casually playing through Dragon Quest Eleven. still. Uh, I'm on this thing now where... Sorry, this about a couple years ago where I actually play through the games I buy before I can buy a new one. Oh, yeah. that's a good habit. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It sounds crazy, but but I that my wife looks at me now, you know, at forty with you know no kids, and there's just a stack of games not being played, and she's like, really, <laughs> really. She plays Warcraft religiously, so she you know, she, you know, she she's sympathetic to me playing a game, but she's not sympathetic to me spending five hundred bucks on games I'm never going to play. So uh, I've been playing Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But so you know, I, I know it's not fun every week to say I'm playing Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> so uh, I do c- crank out the old main cabinet every now and then. And I've been playing also through uh, some shorter games. So I played through Demon Front. Are you familiar with that game? No. Mm-mm. So Demon like a Front game. You're right. It sounds like it, <laughs> except it's a Chinese knockoff of a uh, Metal Slug that's actually pretty good. Really? So. It came back out, I think it came out in the early 2000s. I, I can't remember. Um, but it's like Metal Slug with a, the art style is more like demons and, and, and stuff, which is crazy considering that you're not allowed to use ghosts in China. I don't know how that worked out. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's got more of a ghost theme and a demon theme. And you got like a little familiar with you, like a little bat that, that can shoot diagonally. Because you know, Metal Gear can only shoot straight and up. Mm-hmm. So this bat creature. Um the enemies kind of get recycled a lot, but the animations are good. The bosses are really inventive. They have more of like a Mad Max meets Demon, like a bone, a brutal legend kind of feel, you know? Mm-hmm. The music is boring as shit. So <laughs> what I do is I just turn the music off and put in a, a Metal Driver. What was that? Mega, Mega Driver? Mega Driver. Mega Driver. Yeah. yeah, and they're Castlevania fucking... That is dope. <laughs> I love that album. Like, let's just dub it over with this. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you can... You you know, that's a good way to wake up in the morning. You know, a little demon yeah. front, a little Metal Driver, uh, or Mega great. Driver. Um, but getting back to Dragon Quest Eleven, so I'm up to Galopolis. I'm not going to spoil any story stuff, but... Um, actually, I'm up to Gondol... Gondolvia? Gond- Gondola? It's after Galopolis. Um, so I believe I'm around 20 to 25% through. Oh, nice. Um, and so I go back and forth on this. So I play it with my own music now, but man, Chris, you know, anytime there's something like secretive going on or something emotional, I just turn the sound back on to see what, what what's playing in game when this mm-hmm. emotional stuff goes on. And I cannot for the life of me figure out, who in the sound design at, 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 at Enix uh, thought that like during emotional or, or sneaky moments in the game, they should be playing loud, happy music. Like, like <laughs> the t- I just, I know what you I, mean. I love the game, but the sound design, like I get Dragon Quest supposed to be traditional, but they didn't do that on Dragon Quest eight. You know, like when you were mm-hmm. sneaking around that the, the very first um, in Dragon Quest eight, after you go to the first town, there's like this water tower and there's quiet moments in there. There's, you know, battles and the music is reflective of that emotion very, very well, you know, like forget the symphonic of it. Um, even on the, the, the phone and on the 3ds, it it's in sync with what's happening. I just, I mean, the, I don't think they made enough music for the game. 
Like I really think there's I no, think the symphonic score was like 45 minutes or 57 minutes something like that. Mm. And the game's 100 hours. So <laughs> you get at some point you kind of run out, I guess, and just have to keep throwing something there. Like what is the most close to this scene? All right, throw track 4 in there. Throw what? Track 4. Track 4. Oh, you mean like music? Yeah, what they were oh, doing, right. like in the, the the like the sound design department, that you know they they ran out of different music to use. Right. So have to throw something in there, the closest thing that would fit the mood. Of the oh, scene. I thought you were it. talking to me. I was like, like, hey, um, go to track four. Well, speaking of music, so I've been playing some Dragon Quest Eleven too, and today I I installed that symphonic uh, uh, mod. To to put the uh, to replace the MIDI, and you I play it on PC. Yeah, I'm playing it on PC. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, it does make a big difference. I didn't. I I was kind of skeptical to see if I would actually be able to tell the difference because, like I said before, <laughs> I'm not I'm not good at that stuff. I'm not an audiophile. Um, but you could certainly tell a big difference. I don't know why they chose to do that, uh, but it does make a big difference for sure. Look, here's the thing, and and. You know, look, me and and half the internet are grumble fucking their way through this. Um, it's not like, oh, you know, I I want this thing that I can't have. The last game had symphonic music. Uh, the MIDI on this game is not. It's not like if you play Chrono Trigger, go back to Super Nintendo. the The level of mixing on the MIDI for Chrono Trigger, or even Games like Chrono Cross on PS1 is pretty good. Like it, it. Mm. I mean, even even the 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 level of 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 mixing on MIDI for uh, Tactics Ogre is pretty good. It's not a real symphonic score. It's a MIDI symphonic. It's it's layered. This is not that. This is borderline NES. Like like this. It's almost like. Are they fucking with me? Like you know what I mean? Like, like this is you know. <laughs> Let's see how much they can take. And more to the point, um, I was talking uh, in a night on, on the stream to one of our fans about this, and he was like, well, you know, I didn't really like, uh, well, I said I didn't like the, the music in Ocarina of Time for the, you know, the 64, and he's like, well, I didn't like the music for Breath of the Wild. I'm like, right, but imagine if they made a fucking score for Breath of the Wild that was fully symphonic that you love. It was filled with Zelda overworld music and shit, and you couldn't use it. But certain people on PC could. And you'd just be like, fuck this game. You know, then you just go all gremlins and shit, you know, and you just start ripping up the walls. So it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, it's a long game. So even if they re-release it, you know, like on the Switch, and it has the symphonic score, I'm not. I'm gonna have to let's play those. You know what I mean? Like I'm not playing through another, uh, you know, hundred hours a game. Right. So they, I, I don't. They would have to throw in some sort of additional content or something like that. I would imagine to try to get people to come back to it who've already played it because just hearing better music isn't gonna really want you to. And I'm gonna need like a year game. off because, right. like I said, I play just through a game and. And I'm like, well, I do want to play some other games this year. You know, then, I mean, I love music. I mean, I love the game. Here's the thing. I love the game. And and more to the point, um, so, you know, like, uh, I've been on this 
kick for the Final Fantasy VII HD mod. Are you aware of this? I didn't know you were playing it, but I know of it. Okay, so it just got released the other night. So I put a YouTube video in the documents so you can see. Um, and when the, when the video starts, you understand they can't fix the full motion video yet. You know, the, the programs mm-hmm. can't do that. But it so it opens up, the mod opens up with, you know, the sequence of Final Fantasy VII where you're zooming through Midgard and, you know, the train. And then, pam, HD background. And I got to stress, those backgrounds were originally 320 pixels by like 140 pixels or something. And now you're like, oh, this looks, you know, like they just up Like it looks like an HD version of the 1990, you know, 7 CG. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept going back to these interviews with Square where they're talking about the Final Fantasy 7 remake and how we're trying to really get the feeling of Advent Children in, in Final Fantasy and I'm like playing Dragon Quest. I'm like, you don't have to fucking actually build an entire Midgard, guys. You can just build the sections we're gonna play through. You know, yeah. like 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 the thing about Dragon Quest Eleven is you go to these towns and they're super huge in terms of the scale, right? They did like a good job of of creating that feeling of like this is a giant city. Yeah, that's amazing. Massive. Yeah, but it's not like they built the whole. They didn't take it literally and try <laughs> to build a whole fucking city and spend twenty years, like. There's a there's a level of um, uh, I don't want to say literal. I don't have another word for this. Like they take it too literal now. I think at Square, where like we literally have to build a photorealistic, you know, Final Fantasy world where all the characters are 100, percent you know, looking just like this movie that came out 15 years ago that we're trying to. I don't know. I I love those older rpg you know rpgs all the way up until about final fantasy 12 ish or so and then i'm done so like i just think like you guys they could put out i mean the the unreal engine's so good that there's no reason why they can't make a final fantasy 7 game every three to four years now i don't understand why they keep trying to reinvent i mean chris when you're playing dragon quest 11 are you like oh i'm tired of clicking the button but I mean, you can set your other characters up to autoplay if you don't want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't understand like why Square is so reluctant to make an RPG. <laughs> like, why do they? Why do they keep turning Final Fantasy into fucking Kingdom Hearts? I don't understand. It's a bureaucracy. You know? I don't know. Um, but like, I, I don't even know if they're ever going to release. I mean, I'm sure they'll release the remake eventually, or unless they're waiting for PlayStation Five. Um, well, they're so turning the remake play. into like a multi-game. Yeah, that's the other thing action. I never understood is like they want to do it like part one, part two, part like that's not necessary, bro. Although, it didn't guess... work for Shining Force. You know what I mean? Like, like twenty yeah, years but later, Final Fantasy Seven still... is not Shining Force though. They're they're I'm sure they're thinking like, all right, should we make one game that makes a billion dollars or three games that make three billion dollars? You know. The episode Final Fantasy is not shining for us. That's right, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Got a ways to go, but <laughs> uh, shiningforce4.com. So, <laughs> brought to you by GoDaddy. Uh huh. Brought to you by shiningforce4.com. So, um, but get, getting back to this HD mod. So, this HD mod for people who don't know, really quickly, they're using a program called AI Gigapixel, which is an AI based learning uh, photo editing program to teach the computers to the program to uh up res low resolution images to 4k and beyond 12k whatever 
Oh wow! And it's and it's adding in the details as well. And that sounds like some black magic shit right there, bro. Watch the video, <laughs> like, and and it's not like so. People have been saying like, why why are fans able to do this and Square and these other companies aren't? <laughs> and I don't have a good answer for that other than Nvidia announced the other day. So in China, and I'll wrap this up, but in China you can play Wii games on the Nvidia Shield. Are you aware of this? I am not aware of that. Right. And so the Wii's low res, right? Those yeah. Like 480 by 640 by 480, you know, it's DVD yeah. quality. So they're used so Nvidia is using their own algorithms now to up-res the textures similar to AI Gigapixel. So it's automatically up-resing all the textures. And so they they put the photos of those AI base up res next to the HD uh, mod for Twilight Princess or the HD re release for Twilight Princess. And other than the extra lighting that Nintendo added in, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. Like you can tell when they made the HD Twilight Princess remake, they retextured things. So there's newer textures, but the AI re the uh, upgrade, the AI remastering of the textures is spot on. It's an HD version of the textures that are in the game. And I've been thinking about this, like, like what this means, man, like, if when you really think about it, is moving forward, we, you'll never have to worry about like, up-resing a game with the menus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you when you mod, when you, if you ever play a game in emulation, older game, RPG, those menus don't up-res. Anything that's drawn ends up looking broken, you know, or got jaggies or it's got broken pixels everywhere um and then if there's 2d art in the spells they never uprest but that's going to go away and eventually pretty quickly i imagine they'll be able to do it to full motion video and when that happens i mean there could be a situation guys where they make a whole movie in super low res and just let the ai you know uprest the whole game like you imagine making a game so when they make an hd game it, it costs a lot of money to make those textures because it takes more time there's more canvas you know gonna have more details but what if you just made the game at wii resolutions and outcranked you know what i mean a a 12k game and the only well, thing you had to do in the back end was, was new lighting you know i'm sorry oh i was just saying we'll fix it in post yeah. But this is actually true. Like now AI can fix it in post. Like <laughs> I was talking to my friend uh Kyle Wright, who's a director of photography out in LA, and he does like Netflix stuff. And and I was showing him this, and he's like, Well, this is fucking magic. Like, like, you know, you can essentially make Star Wars on your phone now, you know, and then the AI can just up-res everything. Like you can do and he he laughs because anytime he's on set with like certain directors sometimes they go oh hey you know we'll just fix it electronically in post you know and he's like oh that's <laughs> fucking hilarious you know <laughs> what's crazy though is that i mean this could essentially i mean if this if this gets to the point where fans get their hands on this and they can do it themselves like well they did it then right now the final fantasy 7 the first version of this is already you can play an hd mod where all the backgrounds for final fantasy 7 are in high res yeah, I mean it's that's that's, that's crazy, guys. Fair. Like, do we do you un, like I show my friends some of this stuff, and they look at it and they go, "Oh, it looks old." I'm like, "Yeah, the CGI is old. I get it because mm. they're assholes." But <laughs> at, 
but for a gaming I'm, I'm a gaming i won't say historian you know but um i i i've been around long enough to appreciate different eras of gaming right from, from the 80s on through now and those games like okay on sega saturn clockwork night oh it's one of the greats you're never going to get an hd remake of that you know what i mean like that's not something someone's going to spend 10 million dollars or 20 million dollars to f- make modern if they did they'd remake it with you know polygons and it wouldn't have the same charm well, mr bones mr bones right these things can fix all that and look it's gonna look like how it did you know just in high res but man imagine neverhood you can get a neverhood hd remake now you can get um grim i mean well now that they've remade grim fandango but you know they could have done that um hell even the original donkey kong country country games killer instinct um all those games that use low res 2d art cg or not that will never up res right um can can be done now so and fans are doing this like guys that just i can't stress how i think it's it's the tech talk of the year that i don't think anyone's really really talking about right now i don't i don't think so so I as a as an artist and as a fan of gaming, I am blown away. So, so I I only wonder like how long before they can up-res the videos too. You know. Yeah, I, I love it when fans take it upon themselves to do this kind of stuff when the developers themselves just are either for whatever reason are just slow to uh, move with the times or just. What for whatever reason, whether it's politics or the the industry and the economy within the industry just isn't there for them to, you know, spend the money and the time to do it. But they'll just do it themselves. And you're right. Like we're never gonna there's a lot of games out there we're never gonna get remasters or re-releases for and Clockwork Night, Mr. Bones, all those type of things we may never get. But if it's if if this tool becomes um as easy as easily available and cheap, you know, maybe uh, these game companies will say, "Hey, like if if we don't have to, you know, devote a bunch of time to do this, like we could just outsource this to some small indie team, and they could just do it for us, and we could pay them a fraction of the cost it would for us to do it ourselves, and then we put it out on Steam, and you know, make a decent chunk of change on it. Like all of a sudden, you know, we're getting these older games again that we thought we never would, and that would be super awesome." And and I'll end it on this. If you look, if you're an, if you're a younger gamer and you're like, I don't fucking care about Killer Instinct or those '90s games. Game on you. Think about all the games on the Game Boy Advance that are like Golden Sun mm. that use a lot of 2D or pre-rendered assets. You know that when you even in emulation, if you enlarge your TV, it's gonna look like Fruity Pebbles. There's no way around that. So those all can get HD releases that don't require smoothing right like that smoothing filter which mm-hmm. i can i can't i hate more than, <laughs> or hey you guys ever play a game on the playstation called uh saga frontier 2 yes you know like mm-hmm. all hand-drawn watercolor art like i can't wait it's amazing so keep your guys keep your eye out folks for for the ai gigapixel and what it's going to do next you know like it's it's magic and it's there and it's available and uh go check it out no, that sounds pretty cool. I, I definitely will check that out. Um, as for me, I like I said, I, I was playing a little bit of Dragon Quest XI, but 
uh, for the most part, all my free time this week has been spent uh, doing uh, like just production work for the next issue of Mega Visions. Uh, so um, one of the things that we always do uh, for all of our uh, screenshots that we include in the magazine is we source all of them ourselves. Uh, so we're not going out and, and using any like PR assets or anything like that. 99.9% um, .9 of the time, all those are all sourced by us. So it literally, it takes, you know, me and a couple other guys that have, uh, you know, the capture devices and all the systems in the games. Like we have to play through all those um, to get enough uh, gameplay video uh that way, once we, we get those, we ship them over to Rob, and Rob has uh, some black magic program that outputs um, all the images from the video. And uh, that's how you get some of the magic uh, that happens into the layout and design of the magazine. So I've been playing stuff like uh, Alex Kidd and Miracle Lord 2, which I never thought I would uh, play, but that actually is a pretty fun game. If, if you guys... Um, have never played that or heard of it. It's basically a fan re sequel to the original Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And in this next issue of the magazine, we have an interview uh, with the uh, creator of that. So I was going through and just getting some screen captures. And then I've been uh, getting some uh, prep work done for a feature that I'm going to be writing in this next issue about the rise of indie game publishers. Uh, so that would include people like Limited Run uh, and, and those other type of publishers that focus on these small indie companies and help them release physical versions of their games where they otherwise uh, wouldn't be able to because they just wouldn't be able to sell uh, the volume uh, needed to uh, kind of get the attention and stuff of the bigger publishers out there. And they just don't have the uh, the money to be able to do that. Uh, so I think it's an interesting thing. And uh, I it's been really cool to see the success of limited run since they started out and man they've done man i, I think they're probably close to what 200 games or something like that that they've released now and yeah uh, it, i'm they, hoping they, they they throw they throw wargroove in that was wargroove getting a physical release um that's a good question it it what just came out like a couple days ago on right the, the messenger would be up on my list for that um what else there's a few I got so many of these, you know, uh, the, these indie retro games that are that are amazing, you know. So you're yeah. So it's um, they're saying they on their fact on the website says Wargroove is digital only, but we'd love to make a physical copy further down the line if all goes well. All right, so you know, just at limited run games on that thread for us, and you'd be doing the world a service, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually going to be interviewing those guys next week. Uh, so maybe I'll ask them, like, hey, War Groove, right? But, hey, can I uh, name drop a game people should check out for an indie retro game if you're interested? Absolutely. It's not out yet. It's it's in development, but it's called Soldiers. S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R-S. And you can go to RetroForgeGames.com. And uh, that's a fun... I mean, obviously, they're all like a little bit of a Metroidvania feel to them, but you play like as a soldier... Um, but it's about going into these dungeons and stuff, and it's really well put together. Uh, I remember we were last time I, I missed last week's episode, but the week before we were talking about a game called Dolphin Blue, mm -hmm. which was made by um, X Metal Slug guys on Dreamcast hardware. Uh, it was an arcade game, and the art style for the characters 
uh, in that game, this is similar to that. It's got a similar feel to that metal sluggy uh, stuff, and it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. Soldiers. I'll have to check that one out as well. But uh, So yeah, um, more to come on, on that. We'll be putting out some information about issue eight uh, on our Patreon here probably in the next week or so, starting to talk about uh, some of the content that's going to be released in that. Um, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so more to come. Um, so that's going to wrap up our intros. Marson, you want to take us into the new sack? Ooh, that was a long ass intro. Um, yeah, let's go. So the news this week features interview from, uh, with Ed Anunziata. Um, he did an interview that discussed, uh, games that he's done before, like Eagle the Dolphin, Three Dirty Dwarves and Mr. Bones. Um, he has a new game coming out on the switch that's coming out on Valentine's day. I think that's the 14th, um, called uh, space war arena. Um, but the interesting bits, I think that most people would prefer to hear is, you know, the status of those games that I mentioned previously, eco, the dwarves and the bone man. Um, so the bone man, uh, um, so so I guess we'll kind of touch on the space game a little bit. So it's it's a real-time strategy game. Um, it is coming out for the Switch. And I believe... Uh, yeah, it's a real-time war game with spaceships. Fun. Um, so there are some classics. Uh, when this interview asked him if he would ever return to any of his classics. Um, and he basically said that one of his OCD or uh, characteristics of his personality is his OCD. So he never gives up. He was trying to convince Sega about eco, the dolphin, uh, back then it took him years before they actually said, sure, you can make eco, the dolphin. Um, so he is really actively looking to make a new eco, the dolphin. Um, he's also actually trying to find a way to port, Three Dirty Dwarves to the Switch, which he thinks is an excellent game for the Switch uh, to be ported. And uh, he, I got a suggestion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Pixel. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap plug. We'll have to tell him about that. Yeah, if he actually gets back to us. Um, also, he wants a modern version of Mr. Bones and Tiny Tank. That was on PS1. And he hopes both of them will come to the Switch someday. Um, and then they, they kind of talked about his big blue uh, Kickstarter project that did not work out. Um, and he kind of you know, admits that he probably didn't do the campaign as well as he should have. Um, but he is saying that Eco the Dolphin is like one of his primary focuses and he wants another game. Um, so well, yeah. had, if Lizard, oh, hold on. If Lizard Cube had done the artwork for that Echo successor, and it just had a really strong art design that would have sold that that cake that game that they were pitching just didn't have the the visual i mean when echo came out like it was a limited it was trying to do like an open world gameplay mechanic on a 2d screen right mm-hmm. so the gameplay was always um how do i say this cerebral like you're like all right i can kind of get but visually, you just were always amazed. Like it was one of the first games I ever played where I didn't really want to do anything; just wanted to hang out. Like this is great. I can. I mean, how, obviously, how much time did you spend just jumping out of the water and doing flips? I remember just in falling. in life or in the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in the game, that was one of the things. That, that was 
one of the like the like in the sizzle reel commercials that's what it showed every single time for every echo game is echo jumping up doing his little flippy stuff and flying fly right i love that man yeah and so like if lizard cube or um fdg they just did monster boy right i got that i got the acronym right fdg yes they're the publisher for monster boy i believe right so if, if it had like a really great trippy anime feel to it layered with tons of little animations it's not i i wonder if they get that like that's what how do i say that like the little things go a long way in terms of 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 playing the act of again the act of jumping in and out of the water is a big deal so more of that less of here's another grand adventure to go on like that's not i don't know there's a charm that that sort of gets lost in some of these like case in point when they were doing the mighty number nine like it was, we all supported it. The reality of Mighty Number no. Nine was a whole nother thing. And so when he was like, "We're going to do the spiritual successor to Mega Man Legends with was it Red? What was that game called? Red, Red? It wasn't Red Earth. Red Dart. Red something. Um, or what? What system? The same guy that created Mega Man was trying to do the spiritual successor oh, right. you're saying to that. Mega yeah. Man Legends, and he called it like Red something. Not Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, Red Mighty Number Nine, and so, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thanks, Martin. You know, you're welcome. That's what we need around here. (laughs) And so, but visually, it just didn't have the the charm. Like, man, the visuals go a long, fargan way, guys. You know, like I hate to say it, but if you're gonna make an Echo game, it needs to look like a trapper keeper came to life and was trying to suck my soul. You know what I mean? Into that fucking game and it can't look like it can't look like a generic 3d or a mobile it can't it has to look like it has to look like something special especially like when you look at a game like say the messenger have you have you played that game yet Mm -mm. it's like a modern version of ninja gaiden with like the batman mechanics from the nes Mm. but souped up to 16-bit level like you look at that level of detail if you're a fan of that ninja gaiden the classic ninja gaiden games on the nes then you're looking at that like I got it. I gotta own this. This is amazing. Or Blazing Chrome. You guys have seen that. The amount of work that they're putting into Blazing Chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Echo, you know, spiritual successor just didn't have the charm of Echo. Like, and I mean, you, you you could you could go back when the Echo came out. You could go to school and tell everyone Echo, and they go, "Oh, that dolphin game." And then they'd look at it and go, "Oh, all right." You know what I mean? Like that was cool. So. Uh, Chris, did you ever get made fun of though? Like, like, like for, what? for buying for like, the doll? No, no, no. I don't. I, I, I don't remember being made fun of. No one that, cared, but, right? Right. No one cared that it was a dolphin game. It I, looked cool. I can't imagine though <laughs> how hard it was for Ed to convince Sega to make that game. Because could you imagine the pitch? Like, hey, I want to make this well, game. It's about a dolphins, but it's about like the end of the world. But these dolphins have to save the world from mass destruction from these like it aliens. Was a- it was a big part of console wars. Yeah. They I mean they devoted like half a chapter to that pitch. Right? <laughs> I think it started like we're all drinking, you know, and I got this idea. It's my Magnus Opus. And you know, really it's like I've been smoking shrooms for 20 years. <laughs> and fucking dolphins are smart, you know. <laughs> They're gonna save us all. You know, so uh, <laughs> but man, if if lizard, I mean, look, lizard cubes doing Street Race Four, and I would never take them off it. But um, something like that, man. If they can, or you know, let's just let's fuck, let's make Echo 
a Chinese mobile knockoff with super like vanillaware level graphics, and it's all loot boxes and, oh, dear. <laughs> and, and gambling. You know, he's developed a bad smoking habit, and he plays mahjong. You know, oh, <laughs> like an onion article. Oh. Echo the Mahjong Dolphin. He seems. I think he's kind of dead set on making a 3D version of, of a, a new 3D no. version, which I think is not necessarily the right way to go. I think going back to 2D and seeing how good, you know, like the Dreamcast Echo the Dolphin game. It was. It was okay. Like I, I liked it, but I. I think it might be better served as a 2D game. And when I say 2D. I'm saying like hand drawn mm-hmm. anime level animation. Mm-hmm. You know, Disney maybe like 90s Disney. Like if it had a playable 2D movie charm to it, you know, not with an annoying 90s intro, you know, Echo the Dolphin saving the universe, you know, like that would <laughs> I think that needs to be in there. I, I see, you know, that's the problem with your generation, Marzen. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a client the other day who wanted a bunch of things for a game they're working on and that's as specific as i can get and i was like trying to explain i'm like you don't understand modern fashion is all based around stupid like (laughs) like you're trying to take shit way too serious you know like he's like well you know i mean i'm i'm a little older i'm like you're a lot older if you're over 15 (laughs) you're a lot older you don't know how this works (laughs) uh yeah dude so 3D, could you imagine now if they made Echo VR, you could be the dolphin, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Oh god, you know. I guarantee you he's gonna look into doing something like that. Ed, Ed <laughs> is a wild man. He 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 he's he's one of these just really crazy creators, you know. That so like I, I could see him doing something uh completely off the wall uh and something that no one would expect, but Either way, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a new Echo game. Uh, I was bummed out when the Big Blue failed, uh, and I don't think he Big had Blue. a good plan for it. <laughs> it's a stupid name. Well, he didn't own the Echo name at the time. I feel like uh, it could have been a better name. You call it though, the, the, honestly. The Big Blue. You know, if I told my wife, "Hey, check out the Big Blue," she'd look at me really rough. <laughs> you know, like is that the best you can write? You know, like well, yeah. like well, Big Blue failed. Now let's try Little Blue. He would have been better off calling it the Dolphinator. You know, <laughs> I'm the back. You know. <laughs> Or Snorky or something. Snorky. Snorky's big adventure. Yeah, uh, Echo the Red. Yeah. <laughs> Echo Mighty Number Nine. Um, so, in game industry news, we actually have some interesting uh, news bits uh, for the PlayStation Five. It seems like I, I, every time I hear like news about this, I'm like, damn, already. But like, it's been what seven years now since PlayStation Four got released, which is insanity. It's only um, been eight years since the Final Fantasy VII remake trailer. So, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, so, yeah, P- PlayStation Five may feature backwards compatibility. So, um, Sony recently registered patent that suggests this. Um, the patent could apply for PS4, PS3, PS2, and original PlayStation games on the next generation. Um, so obviously there would be some issues they'd have to go around because uh, if they wanted to do backwards compatibility with the PlayStation three, that one is kind of notorious for not, you know, uh, agreeing with 
certain hardware. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But like with Microsoft, again, doing their whole backwards compatibility spiel on their console, I think it would be smart for Sony to do this. But I don't know. I, I don't know if they'll go all the way back to PlayStation 1. Um, but I think it's an interesting concept for their or gimmick. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, so I know a little bit about this. Mm. Two, two, two quick things. So one, it, it is planned to do uh, at least PlayStation, obviously four, PlayStation two, PlayStation one, and the Vita platforms and PSP platforms. The reason why the PS3 is a question mark, they still haven't figured that one out. <clears throat> is because the PS3 uses this thing called the cell processor. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets a little Sega related. So the cell processor is basically, I think it's like six or eight cores. I can't remember that. That when synced together like Voltron, they will have imaginable powers, you know, unimaginable powers that will give you the amazing graphics and processing. This goes back to the Sega Saturn when it was like, we have two microprocessors, and when you sync them up using, they used, the Saturn used a language called assembly to do this, that you would have this amazing processing boost, and that never fucking works. Um, it never, it has never worked. I've never seen it work. Uh, the 64 used a similar idea, where you use two 32-bit processors to get 64 bits of power. It doesn't work. <laughs> like, it never, it's a Friggin' nightmare. When I was working, at, I worked at a toy store in the mid nineties. The Toys R Us. It was actually called Playco. It was a local based. Well, it was owned by Saudis. I know because they'd come in and you couldn't look at them. Like <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, <couldn't, interesting. laughs> you were not allowed to directly look at them. So it was made very known. They were very nice dudes. Though. They gave out great bonuses. Um, but uh, one of the guys that used to come in worked at Angel Studios. Do you know who they are? Mm-mm. So they were based in San Diego at the time, and they ended up doing work on Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball and shit like that. Um, so, But he was doing Sega Saturn work at the time. So he was explaining to me, he's like, man, look, Saturn's fucked. Because we had that Sega Saturn demo kiosk out with Virtual mm-hmm. On on it. Yeah. And that's all I would play with Virtual On all the time. And he was telling me, like, the assembly language is great for 2D. Like, it's great. That's why, you know these capcom games were amazing but in 3d trying to sync up all these processors with unified memory is a nightmare to code and to emulate i can only imagine is tenfold you have to emulate those six or eight processors in you have to emulate six different processors not a microprocessor or not any kind of core you have to emulate six core i i don't that's why they said it may only be possible through the store because that I don't know how that works. Like some of those games, like they came up with some tools that allowed them to be playable um, and developed a little bit easier in the later life of PS3. But if you go to the PlayStation or store now, you can't get MotorStorm one and two. You can get MotorStorm three, right? Like there's certain games you still can't get on the PlayStation store, and it doesn't have to do with licensing, right? So I, when I, when the PlayStation three is such a fucking bastard to make. You guys ever play Skyrim on that? platform on ps3 no i actually skipped playstation 3 i only used or i borrowed my friend's ps3 
to play Metal Gear Solid 4 because I needed to because I, I I just couldn't afford a PS3, but I needed to play Guns of the Patriots. So I played it, gave it back to him, and then I just stuck with my 360 because I was poor. <laughs> so, yeah. Skyrim would break the system. Like it would break crash it? and break your so you could break saves the whole thing. It was really bad at first. I think they ended up patching it to where it's it's playable now. Like, but it it took a while for for that to happen. I know my son. He's he's been he played through most of the game on PS3. Poor kid. Yeah, and given <laughs> how much of a nightmare it was to develop, that that's where like I really like, I always liked Naughty Dog since the very beginning. You know, in their ability to mix graphics and presentation. You know, with efficient coding and and little tricks but the fact that they got uncharted to work at all let alone be what it was on the ps3 is is really almost a gaming miracle um the, the ps3 was a nightmare those first few years and that's exactly why when they made ps4 they brought mark cerny back who was instrumental in ps1 development to to move the whole platform off custom cores which was Kaz Horai's big fucking nightmare deal. That, that started with PS2, by the way, right? Remember the Emotion Engine? Mm-hmm. Remember when they did that? The real-time no. Final Fantasy VIII where they're dancing and they're like, it's the Emotion Engine. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change your life. And fucking, you know, you're just like, I just really wish all the games weren't blurry, you know? <laughs> and then we get that damn, like, fireworks game on, on release. No, was. I remember that fireworks game, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the army and guys would just get high and go, it's good fireworks. I'm like, congratulations on the fireworks. <laughs> I'm going to go and finish playing. At the time, I, what was I playing? Oh, Toy Commander. Oh, oh there you go. That was yeah, a good like, Toy Commander, like you loser. I'm like, I'm a toy. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that it's going to be interesting about this, though, is that so if Sony is going to have some sort of way that the PS5 is going to be able to, like, do this emulation or this backwards compatibility like inside the box. Like I, I would think that would mean an end to PlayStation now, which is how they've kind of been getting around that uh, with the PS4. They they purchased uh, on live and another cloud-based gaming uh, platform several years back. And that's basically what the the technology that they've been using to um, to power the PlayStation now. And so it sounds like they may be moving away from that, and I, I could see them just kind of shutting the whole thing down altogether. Whereas, so, uh, is Doug Perry? He's in charge of that, right? Uh, Dave Perry. Dave yeah, Perry. yeah. I think he's still the head of that. Um, he was God. It was it was like something like Game Kai or something weird like that was what he had, um, and they sold to 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 Sony. And then, um, and then on live eventually sold to Sony as well. Uh, so they if, combined those. If people aren't aware of Dave Perry, he was Earthworm Jim, right? I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in the nineties, I call him. And then he, I couldn't say it then, but now looking back, he was the ninety version of Peter Molyneux, <laughs> where he would overhype every fucking tech thing they did. So he eventually did MDK, the MDK games, which mm-hmm. I can't begin to tell you what that shit's about, but. I don't know. It was big at the time, but Next Generation Magazine ran this giant twenty-page, you know, cover article with him on this game called Messiah, and I'll never fucking forget. I remember that it was supposed to also be ported to the Dreamcast because ODC well, ran a, a piece in there about it, right? Because the game was supposed to feature 
tessellation. You, you remember this term? Yes, I do. So tessellation was his big thing. It was, it was this idea that the game will upres itself, right? It will upres itself no matter what platform. So you can put it on any platform and it'll always look better. You'll never have to fix the game. And that never worked. But given, you know, what we've just talked about with AI Gigapixel and given this patent, I wonder if, you know, if Dave Perry had nothing to do with that patent, it would be kind of ironic that a form of tessellation put him out of a job. Like, when you mm. think about it, like, <laughs> to be a little little snarky dick about it. But, um, <laughs> but, I mean, guys, like, he used to oversell that tessellationing so much. You... You would not. I mean, how do I? What's a modern equivalent of this? Um, you know, when you see a movie coming out and they're like, "This is going to be the greatest movie ever," like Glass, and then you go see it and you're like, "It's not nearly as fucking smart." As like every part. trailer for a new Madden game before it comes they, out, <laughs> they really sweat, bro. Remember yeah. the <laughs> Speaking of PlayStation Three. Remember that PlayStation 3 Madden trailer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all like snowy and gritty. The game came out and it was like fucking, it just looked like Madden on the PS2. It was hilarious. I love the memes for the price points when they revealed like, oh, it'll be $600 for like the whatever gig. For, how many gigs was it? I don't even remember. But they had, they uh, took that clip from E3 or wherever they announced it. And then they took a clip of solid snake as old snake and putting the gun in his mouth <laughs> ah, that was funny like six hundred dollars nope yeah just go work an extra job i you ended know, up getting the xbox 360 core version with that just came with like the memory card <laughs> not even a hard drive. xbox 360 poor version mm-hmm. that well, was me. I mean, look, <laughs> chris you joke but some people out there they don't remember that was the actual quote at e3 yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it Kudaragi or, or Harai? I can never. Kazurai. Was it Kazurai or was it? I think it was. Oh, Who said you needed to skip? People, they asked him, how, how are gamers supposed to afford $600 for a console? And they're like, just get a second job. <laughs> so, <laughs> let them was, eat cake. I think that's a cultural difference type of thing. Because I read, I read a piece about that. And that's something that uh, in Japan, is like okay to do like that's something that they would actually go out and do in japan but it's we do it here. Ridiculous here in the west <laughs> it's the like, japanese yeah. version of hashtag deal with it <laughs> right yeah, so every or... time some fucking company gets dumb enough to go out there and tell people to let them eat loot boxes you know um <laughs> I, <laughs> you know i'm like see that's what they have to be saying in the meeting rooms that's the jokes they've been telling themselves we just got to hear it yeah you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, But like in terms of backwards compatibility, do you think it's going to be a focal point like when they announce the PS5? Or do you think it's just going to be like, oh, hey, by the way, this also sports backwards compatibility? Because I feel like every console has like the main feature that they like to focus on on, you know, their launch. I think it's been one of those things where backwards compatibility has become a bigger and bigger uh, issue. And I think Microsoft has shown that people really do care about backwards compatibility because you always talk about, you know, some of the companies say that, oh, people want it, but it's, you know, they're not selling or whatever. But Microsoft has shown that people want it and you can do it right. 
And so I do think that it's going to be a big selling point uh, for this next uh, console uh, generation. And I, I expect Microsoft to do the same thing. I, I think they're going to keep going hard on uh, backwards compatibility. And I think this is kind of maybe a response from Sony realizing that they are going, Microsoft is going to be going full bore into backwards compatibility and they don't want to be left behind. Yeah. Because if they didn't do it, they would be getting, you know, they would be getting all sorts of shit uh, when, you know, they announce all of the details and all the features of the PS5. And it would be just like it was last generation when everyone was shitting on the Xbox because it was going to require, uh, you know, like a constant internet connection. Uh, yeah. You know, you weren't, you wouldn't be able to just lend Share the game. The game. Exactly. Yeah. It would have been that, but it would have been flipped the other way around. And I think this is a smart move by Sony uh, to try to put this together um, well in advance. I also think there's a, a way to monetize a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, you can, it's backwards compatible, but let's say you got a 12K TV. Well, for 99 cents, you can buy the AI Gigapixel menu upgrade. So right. all your menus are in high res now too, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing with PlayStation 5 is it's going to be based on PC cores, right? X86. So PS4 was. So any PS4 development right now has to be shucked over to PS5, I imagine, for launch games. So mm-hmm. any, I mean, there's there's words that Blades of Tsushima might move to PS5, you know. Um, and I think that, that any major first-party game right now at Sony is going to PS5. Mm-hmm. it's just got to. I can't see how that, that isn't going to happen. Um, which means that you're basically dealing with backwards compatibility to PS4 immediately. As for the older games, uh, I mean, it. I, I still don't see a way... I mean, you're not going to be able to... How do I say this? You're not going to be able to... How are you going to put a Vita game into your PlayStation 5, right? So you still got to buy those digitally. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. So, unless you get into the disc in there anyway, and it just kind of reads it, <laughs> it's gonna have a it's gonna have a UMD drive also. I doubt it. Yeah, On in the, the controller. Boy, you know, guys, I just miss PlayStation memory sticks so much. You know what I mean? Do you? Don't, you, don't you miss that, Do you? that technology? Oh my I, God. I miss two hundred dollars <laughs> for like sixteen megabytes of. Like the, the the price points for those things were fucking crazy, but even like the like the the memory the SD cards that they had for the Vita, they were I, like when I was working at Best Buy, I was like, this is this is ridiculous. That that is way too much money. <laughs> um, but yeah, so why don't we just kind of quickly jump into the pop culture news uh, and everyone's favorite. Batman, uh, Ben Affleck, he has confirmed that he's leaving the role of Batman, and they have a new movie coming out in 2021. Um, I believe this is going to be more of like a noir Batman-type movie, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to be more uh, classic detective. Yeah, they're they're going heavy on the detective aspect. Uh, Matt Reeves is uh, the writer and director on that one. So uh, Affleck was uh, he worked on the Batman story, but he just didn't want to be that Batman. Is that right? Um, no, so now- no. How it worked was is he developed uh, a movie and a script for a while, and they passed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So this is entirely script written by Matt Reeves. Uh, it's taken over two years. When he was first announced as the director and the writer, and he's going to have creative control, everyone was like, oh, we're going to get a Batman movie quickly. And I chuckled because I had just listened to the interview that Matt Reeves had done with the Q&A. There's a podcast called The Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith um, at the L.A. Film School where they screen movies and then they bring in the screenwriters. And so Matt Reeves co-wrote those films um, with another writer. And so he gave an interview and he talked about his writing process on uh, Planet of the Apes Part 2 and 3. It was two at the time. Mm -hmm. And how he would just go away and write for a year or two and not talk to the studio much. And Jeff was just blown away. Like, you can do that? He's like, well, that's what I do. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so so, when he got announced as the Batman writer and director, I'm like, well, we won't see this till like 2020. <laughs> like, you just, just got to let that one go. You know, and it, it, it's fairly ridiculous that it seems to take forever to make a movie about a man who just dresses up like a bat and punches dudes or, <laughs> you know, collects clues and shit like Sherlock Holmes. More um, than that. I, I love Batman, but it should not ever since the Dark Knight, man, like they just feel like Batman should be this Oscar worthy thing, yeah, yeah. you know, like and I'm watching Doctor Strange like, look, I'm not saying it's the greatest movie, but it's good enough, man. Guys, like just get on with it, you know, like it's not it's it's like making a Batman movie isn't hard. Making a fucking Spider-Man movie that has a talking pig and an anime chick. You know, like that's fucking hard. <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> making Guardians of the Galaxy with a talking tree and a raccoon—that's hard. Like Batman is super easy. So, but the Ben Affleck bowing out thing is—that's been known for a while. I guess it, he just confirmed it, right? Because he told right. Me. I think that was what it, there was tons of of rumors going around. I think it was just waiting for that confirmation, and he finally confirmed it, and. He he reshared it on Twitter and you know and wished them all, all the best and so it, it seems like I guess at least publicly it's an amicable kind of separation. Um, but I just want to say I loved Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he did an awesome job, uh, and I'm gonna miss him. You know, it's gonna it's it's gonna be weird seeing someone else do it. But I, I think he he's one of my f- favorite of the newer Batmans uh, and. I just thought he did a really good job with that role. I st- I still just want to see a Batman Beyond and have Michael Keaton play the old Batman. Like I, that. I mean, yeah, you've seen memes going around of, with that, but I do really want to see that because I think he would just play it so well, you know. So here's um, the thing. Oh, go that ahead. was my hot take though when they first announced Ben Affleck as Batman back in 2011 or 13. Was it 13? I think it was 13. Um, and I was like, man, you know, well, they were the first time they announced that they were going to cast a new Batman because Zack Snyder made that that memory. He made that trailer at Comic-Con where he had um, the, the actor from Man of Steel who, the, who plays the general. Read, he read the line from Dark Knight Returns. I'll beat you, Clark. I beat you. And so we all knew we were getting a new Batman. At that point, I was like, you know, what would be really clever. And I did this on a podcast. So we what would be really clever is they just continued the Burton universe. So, like, if Burton's Batman had just been continuing up till now, that means Michael Keaton could come back as an older Batman, and then, you know, and then after this movie, prepare, like, a new kid to be a younger Batman Beyond, right? So you get your your Batman Beyond techno movie out of it, and that seemed to be too wild an idea. Especially you know? if you let Tim Burton come back and do it, too. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Although, given the movie we got, who cares, right? So, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, what I was going to say is, though, um, throwing this idea out there, like, who do you think could come in and, and be a, a good fit for the new Batman role? Like, adding in the idea that it's going to be a younger Batman, so it's not going to be someone who might be older. So maybe he's younger, maybe he might be a little bit older, but who do you guys think would be a, a good actor to come in and step into that role i honestly can't think of anybody just bring back christian bale there you go not gonna happen i got someone who who i, I would throw out there uh, it's gonna be so way different and it, i think most people would hate on it but um daniel radcliffe as a young batman oh hell no. you're out your goddamn mind <laughs> <laughs> hell I don't no. think it, but I would be willing to give him a shot. Let's see. What you're at you're at your damn right. No. Um, so I have my choice, and then I'll tell you what the word on the street is from what I've been hearing. Right. So if I could do it right now, I would get uh, Bernthal, the guy who played the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's know. in a movie called The Accountant, uh, where he fights Ben Affleck. So if you want to see the Batman versus the Punisher, go watch the movie The Accountant. Uh, John it's not Tom. about taxes. <clears throat> it has a horrible name. <laughs> I I want Henry Cavill to play Superman and Batman and have it be <laughs> like an Austin Powers style or American Horror Story style. They're just playing multiple characters. Oh, so your generation is trying to ruin everything. <laughs> He's the only actor in the movie. He's just everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just trying it's to ruin everything. art piece. Oh, um, but no, I would pick Berndahl, um if I had that way. But I don't. So the word on the street is that it's going between two different kind of actors, like a younger, less bulky guy that could really act. Um, names like Kit Harrington and Nicholas Holt. I'm just telling you. Um, and then yeah. I'm just telling you guys, this isn't like my cast. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you what I'm hearing. I wanted to shoot and, them and, and Chris, I've sent you stuff, not relating to this, but inside stuff. So you, you know, Right, like I'm not fucking around, right? So yeah, yeah. So that's a legitimate talk. Like there's something like that, which I think Matt Reeves wants something a little bit more younger, more of an actor, and then the studio wants someone more like an Army Hammer, um, mm. or uh, who's the other one? Um, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Quicksilver and Kickass. Mm. Um, yeah. So they're gonna go younger. That's I'm certain. thinking Gilbert Gottfried is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he would make an amazing mayor of Gotham, right? Like just a real fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> we got this Batman, you know? Or he could like, be like, the Penguin. In the Ben Affleck universe, he would have been a great Penguin, like an older Penguin. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I'm looking forward to it. I I definitely think going towards a more detective centric Batman is the way to go because you're right. They've, they've kind of not even really addressed that part of his character. I mean, they've, they kind of done it a little on the surface with the past couple of movies, but uh, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, that's what makes Batman so good, not necessarily just like the physical combat, but the, the, the willingness to go like way down in the weeds on a certain thing and find out all these weaknesses about, you know, potential enemy and all this other stuff. 
that's what makes Batman so awesome. And we haven't really gotten that in the last few movies. So I'm, I'm really interested in seeing uh, some of that actually showcased in a movie. Well, that well, Joker Deadline. movie with Joaquin Phoenix, is there going to be a Batman in there? Or is it just no, gonna be... no, th- that's a separate universe. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Like that takes place in the eighties and I don't know, man. It, it's, that's an anomaly. I, I have nothing to say about that. So, um, but Deadline was saying that the movie's supposed to have several villains in it and that he's investigating different villains. You know, and, and it kind of reminds me of uh, an episode, uh, an episode, uh, an, the Shadow of the Bat issues one through four, where there's these murders going on and Batman thinks it's a Zats killing people. And he's trying to like investigate. He's trying to figure it out because Zats is stuck in Arkham. Like, how could he be murdering people if he's in Arkham? So, and then he gets put into Arkham he has to fight all the villains. And and I was like, that would make for a great movie. And the Arkham games came out, and I'm like, I knew it. Ha! Ah, it, it is amazing. So it is cool to see that they won't make it like Batman versus the Riddler, you know. And then they got to fucking army up the Riddler to make that happen. It was. Just, they need oh, to bring out like some more obscure villains that they had in like those old Batman comics, like Calendar Man or something polka dot man or some dumb shit like that. Well, even firefly things like firefly or um characters like i mean look the ventriloquist is a stupid character but it could be creepy <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> you know so it's possible but i mean guys it's it's not gonna show up for 2021 i mean you realize we're gonna have another avengers movie probably two more star wars films two more spider-man movies a fucking venom film uh an x-men reboot on the way like i mean it just in two years yeah the marvel gets the rights back to x-men in march or all that fox stuff and i they're already developing so you'll have that announced within two years are they getting spider-man too or is sony keeping that or is no it... that's still shared um but sony and them will probably re-up their deals so he'll stay in the mcu and then sony can make their their own feel like stuff with the venom such a weird i think so i think Sony still has all the other Spider-Man characters, though, right? They just don't have Spider-Man, so they can make... That's why they made the Venom movies, and they're going to continue making Venom movies. They have the other characters, but if Feige and them want to use characters for the the MCU stuff, then Sony won't do it. So Feige and them have no interest in Venom. That's why they made the Venom movie. And so... um for whatever reason that they just don't have interest in the character. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, they, they have all that, but they have to keep everything in production. So this is why Fox lost. uh, What do they lose? Daredevil. They lost Daredevil because of this. And the new line deal lost blade because they weren't actively producing. They can't be developing. They have to be producing a film. And this is this is also why you ever watch X Men Apocalypse and feel like, why did they make this movie? Like it I doesn't actually it build yet. off the movie. It doesn't build off Days of Future Past. It kind of, it, I don't know. It almost pretends like it didn't happen much. And it because they, if they didn't have a movie in production, they would have lost the rights. After I saw the, uh, the 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 horrible design of Apocalypse, I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm I, I'm not gonna watch this piece of shit. <laughs> I saw some. Uh, some promo art uh, for 
uh, apocalypse of what he could have looked like, and he looked amazing. And they chose to come up with that abomination. No, thank you. Blame Brian Singer for that one. Yeah, fuck him. He kind of looked like uh, the bad guy from the Power Rangers movie a little bit. I forgot his name. Ivan Ooze. Yeah, that was the internet meme, but really he just looked like a melted ice cream cone. Like, <laughs> you look at his face, he looked... Yeah. <laughs> just, mmm, you know. So, uh, um, yeah. let's let's move on to the feature discussion, and then uh, we'll get out of here for this week. So, we had um, some more Sony news this week, but I think this kind of uh, brings up a good topic that we can discuss, especially since we've been going there over the last few years. So, Sony announced earlier this week that they are not going to be attending uh, this next year's E3. So a company spokesman said, as the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage the community. PlayStation fans mean the world to us, and we will always want to innovate, think differently, and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. As a result, we have decided not to participate in E3 in 2019 we're exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and can't wait to share our plans with you so guys what's um what do you think this could mean for the future of e3 i mean in my opinion so like they've been talking about this for a while and i think they mentioned it over a month ago um and there's just been you know it talks about like what you know, Microsoft is going to do, and they Microsoft clearly said that they're going to go all out for this year's E3 because they're going to have so much floor space now. Um, yeah, so I think I think you, but we've seen this with other gigantic publishers, you know, where they just they didn't even want to partake in the uh, main floor; they would just create their own event and just kind of do it around E3. Um, like EA yeah, has, Evolver Digital will finally be able to get uh, some booth space. Yeah, now they can. Now that Sony's <laughs> gone. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just slowly every company's just gonna do their own event or their own uh, press conference. I mean, you, we see we see this like Mortal Kombat. You see it already with Sony. They have their uh, PlayStation Experience thing in, in December, and I think it's been a yearly thing now. Um, so Nintendo does their Nintendo directs, but I think they're still doing a Nintendo. They're going to be at E3. Um, but I think it's just, I think E3 is slowly going to, uh, go away unless something else changes and they come up with a new concept or something. But I think that's why they, uh, the past two years they started, inviting you know people that weren't the media and to get more money uh, because they were kind of seeing the writing on the wall yeah um, that's another question i was going to have too does this does this does this mean more maybe um or speak to the the gradual um reduction of importance i should i could say um of the gaming media gaming you know like websites the traditional gaming media and journalists than it does with like e3 itself because it seems like these companies now like with social media youtube all this other stuff like they can con and get their message get their games directly to their audience now like they don't necessarily need to go through um you know the uh 
the game journalists and the writers like they did in the past when they still had magazines and everything like that. So does this just does this signify more of that or is it more of just, hey, we don't want to spend the money um, to go to E3? I don't th I don't I don't think it's a money thing because PlayStation and Sony have a boatload of money. They mm -hmm. they're swimming in it. Um and I think, I, I don't know, I think it's just more of a shift in vision and what they want to, how they want to, you know, present their product to, to, to the world. Um, maybe th they might come back next year. Maybe they just didn't really have much to show this year. I don't know. They, they just want to maybe come back with like a PlayStation 5 reveal in that, 2020. That's a good point. Like Rob talked about, like maybe uh that they are shifting all their games their first party stuff towards the ps5 and maybe they just decided hey we don't have a lot that we'd be able to show here right what do you think rob i don't know why they're doing it i mean i can speculate like anyone else for the obvious reasons but i can tell you what happened the last time they pulled out of e3 like e3 became this hotel thing oh yeah where you, you it wasn't at the convention center you had to get in these vans and be driven to different hotel rooms to be shown games. So I wonder, will the people who were able to buy gaming passes now, will will that supplement? Because look, the Sony presence on the floor at last year's E3 was massive. Yeah. So you remove that. I mean, how much Fortnite can pay for E3? That's the question. <laughs> it's just going to be an entire <laughs> Fortnite booth. Right. right overwatch booth i don't i don't know man like getting in and out of e3 was was a nightmare like they did all right for their their security all things considered but like remember that first day we went to e3 chris and we were like oh mars remember we went and we're like we'll go we'll get lunch and we stepped out to go look for lunch we couldn't find anywhere to eat gave up come back in and had to go all the way through security again and we're like god damn it like this fucking thing's a pain mm -hmm. in the ass so there's a lot of things about E3 that don't make much sense to me right now. Um, definitely, they if they're moving all of their first-party games to PS5, then they really don't have anything to show. Right. I mean, like, forget the hardware. Well, they want to announce the hardware. They can announce the hardware after E3 regardless. The question is the games. What are they going to put on the floor? Spider-Man DLC, you know? So that's where I think that the the rumors of the PS5 development being PS4 games being moved to PS5 development are probably true, just given this this story. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just trying to look up to see what um, first party game Sony even has like slated for this year, but it's all just coming up the stories of uh, of Sony shifting all their first party developers to the PS5. So. <clears throat> I, and I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, like the stuff that they had shown at maybe last year's E3 um, that was slated to come out for the PS4. Maybe they're getting shifted over to the PS5, which would mean that maybe Sony's um, maybe like trying to fast track this system, maybe to get it out before Microsoft's system. And they're maybe changing some of their strategy. I thought Microsoft bit. just wanted to just keep building on their Scorpio, uh, which was released wasn't really i don't know <laughs> i don't even know you <laughs> thought they were gonna build off their platform uh, <laughs> yes yes i did 
I think uh, what they said though is that it would just be kind of the same thing as the Xbox One X. Like they wouldn't have a generational uh, new system, kind of how like Sony's been doing. It's just going to be you know new iterations of the same console. Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that just get you pumped to spend another five hundred bucks on a console? The idea yeah. is that they're they're taking the approach from the the mobile phone industry. Yeah, isn't that exciting when they take the approach from the mobile phone? <laughs> doesn't that just get you excited to buy another mobile it's phone? Me super stoked. Yeah. It, it gets me it's another. So I'm all for it. Look, 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 um, guys. You, you don't. No one has to fucking care or think. You know what I have to think about it, but. The reason why we spend money on shit is when you have that impulse buy. You get excited. Like, I went to Target and I bought a bunch of DuckTales figures. So when I saw them, I was excited. DuckTales! I, I, I <laughs> sadly am buying $179 worth of Legos because Voltron, right? It's exciting. You know, it's exciting. Like, you, you, you want to get excited. And new consoles aren't just about new hardware, better graphics. There's an excitement factor. Mm-hmm you know, to, to that purchase and the event around it. And if they're like trying to get us into the mobile phone, there's nothing excited about a new fucking cell phone coming out. You know, you just look at it like, well, I guess I'll upgrade because that's my contract and that's what I do. And I'm really, I'm really wary, man, when they use mobile as their, their litmus test for legacy sales, because mobile comes, it will come and go at some point. Mobile will become something else. No one's going to look back 20 years from now and go, man, I wish they ported, you know, Flappy Bird to, you know, I wish there was a way to emulate that game. Like, this is, no one's going to give a flying freak, you know? So they they really need to start taking a longer look at the legacy of what they're, with their software. You know, Microsoft, unfortunately, has this thing now where it's like, oh, any game we put on our console will also be available in the Windows Store. So I don't get that excited about their games. I can just play it on PC if I want to, you know, and that's a problem. They, and I just don't think that company gets it. So I get the idea that, well, every eight years we're going to buy a new gaming system. That's a deal. People are buying new phones every fucking year. Yeah. I think Microsoft wants to move to the, you'll buy a new console every year. And those dumbasses like my, like Brandon who bought a fucking, you know, who buy the Scorpio thinking that that that's going to mean anything. It's not going to mean it. It's not going to add anything new to the equation. It's just so you can throw away money that you, I mean, you don't, I mean, come on. If you want to throw away money, um, you can, you can just give it to the Patreon, right? Right. Straightforward.com. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> or Mega Visions. Yeah. yeah. For Mega Visions, right? You can go right there, get the new copy of Mega Visions and you could throw away some, I mean, guys, I just, this is so ridiculous. Like excitement is a thing, dude. Like if you, if the new Pokemon was just coming out, on fucking generic uh, my Nintendo update platform 1.14 you know you wouldn't I don't know man you know this is I mean it could be at times they are a change in even though I wouldn't no, they're not. like it no 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 they're not the problem is they have shareholders and shareholders are never what was the the word that you know Activision had like you know the second highest selling game you know it was a 530 something million was it Candy Crush or something they did $530 million, but their their investors, you know, were unhappy. I'm like, you guys need to go take a fucking chill pill. Seriously. Like, for real. <laughs> like, I'm sorry your margins made 35% profit instead of 367 You know, and you're unfucking happy. But this is 
you know, this is goes into a larger discussion about vulture capitalism and stuff like that. But they, their their expectations are like N- Nintendo's smart in that they always know that they can, they have a legacy sale. Like you know for a fact, Smash Bros will not be less than sixty bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's not happening, man. And so, naming their console in new platform always gets a grumble out of people, but they always get excited when the games back it up. Are we, are we excited about Microsoft games right now? Can you name one Microsoft game you just can't wait for? Crackdown you know? three. Huh? It, that that's killer. Yeah, like four years ago when it was right. supposed to be some crazy demolition uh, game. I have a feeling it's gonna be a big disappointment, but you have a feeling. <laughs> Poor Terry Crews, right? Yeah, because like that guy is fucking amazing. Rockstar should sign him up to Grand Theft Auto Six. Period. You know, that but Crackdown be- Three is going to be Watch Dogs Three, right? Like, mm. but yeah, just kind of going back to to discussing like E Three and how it's basically. I feel like it's kind of just losing its luster in a sense, just because there are just so many game conferences that are now throughout the year. You know, like there was a time where E Three was the thing. And, you know, when you say E3, people still, you know, identify with that event and think it's like, you know, the event where all the big news shows up. But, you know, now it's turned into like where big news just shows up throughout the whole year. There isn't like a dedicated date or series of days where all the industry giants show up and then they just reveal everything. Now they all do their own thing. And, yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of you know there's you know pax east pax west north south east you know the, the tokyo game show you got you know e3 still there playstation has their own thing nintendo does their directs um yeah i don't i don't know where where e3 can go from now but what do you guys think e3 you know the people behind e3 should do in order to survive or do you think it'll just it should just fizzle out eventually that's a good question. <laughs> I, uh, you know, like I think E three still holds some, some like uh, importance, and it just has that name. So I think there's still that going for it. You know, like I, I still feel like it's still the biggest show of the year in the game industry. Like it's the biggest convention, expo, whatever you want to call it. I, I think it still has that going for it. It's just a. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they just need to lower some prices or I, I don't know the answer to it. But I, I definitely still think that there's a way for them to fix it to where they keep it going. And I would like I would be sad, you know, if E3 went away. I don't I don't want it to go away because I think it's it's awesome. I like going to E3. It's a pain in the ass, like Rob said, but it's still fun <laughs> to go there and, uh, you know, like to be around the other game journalists that, you know, like you read their stories and it's, it's awesome. And if that went away there, where else would we be going to, you know, like it's, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing else. PAX like E3 in the United States. No, yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think that has, uh, I think we wrapped it up with that. So, um, hopefully, We'll see Sony coming back to E3 because it's just it wouldn't be the same. I love having you know Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft all there because you feel like there's still that 
that competition, that big, you know, the console wars are still there. And once you have, you know, Sony and Nintendo maybe not being there anymore and just one of the big three there, it'll lose a little bit of this luster. So I'm hoping that Sony will bounce back uh, next year and we'll have a big unveiling of the PS5 and it'll blow everyone's socks off and everything, all will be right in the game industry once more. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Uh, do you guys have anything uh, coming up this week that you want to hype up or anything? We don't have Scotty here this week, so I don't know what is going to be coming up on the streams, but I assume he's going to be doing some more Panzer Dragoon Saga. I think he's close to wrapping that up, but I believe those are Friday nights, and uh, I think he also is going to be doing some Resident Evil 2 stuff. Uh, so Sundays, Tuesdays, and Fridays are the dedicated streaming days for Megavision. So just go to Twitch and search for Megavisions, and you'll find our, our uh, Twitch profile there. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, Rob, uh, what will you be up to this week? Megavisions issue eight is my life now for the month. It's crunch month. So it's crunch month, um, and so I will be streaming Megavisions 8 layouts Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I'm working on it all week, but I slow down when I stream. So um, between 9... AM and 12 PM mountain standard time on sketchcraftlive.com. So yeah, I'll be running through that. So if you guys want to hang out and see what we're working on, you can do that there. This month will be layouts. And then the beginning of March, I will start the cover art and draw the, the comic we're going to launch, uh, in the in issue eight to called little reapers, which I am writing and drawing and, and creating all that nonsense so that'll be fun that'll be fun to to, to show off and then and get going so you're a madman because i don't have enough to do guys exactly <laughs> um also if you want to uh, subscribe to megavisions uh remember you can go to our patreon page at www.patreon.com megavisions uh while you're there you can choose to receive either a physical version or a digital version of the magazine we ship worldwide uh so there's basically you just uh, find which tier you're located geographically click that subscribe and you will be uh ready to rock and roll with the next issue of the magazine so each issue is released quarterly and contains original cover art and design uh, along with 64 pages of retro goodness designed by yours truly sketchcraft and written by all of the wonderful folks uh, on the Megavisions writing staff. We also have uh, awesome artists, Ashley and Louise, who uh, who do some interior art. So it's awesome stuff, man. Go check it out. And if you like what you see, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And that's going to do it for this week. We will be back next week talking more Sega, uh, game industry stuff, and pop culture news. We'll see you next week. We are five years away from entering the 21st century. Humankind stands on the edge of the interactive age. You have come a long way. But are you ready for the future? Introducing Sega Saturn. Aww. Hit it! Sega's next-generation gaming platform, revolutionary sports and arcade gameplay, all with amazing new 3D experiences never before possible on home game systems. Wow. Sega.
Sega Saturn. It's how you play the game. Farther than you have ever gone before. Sega Saturn. Play your games in the 21st century and leave the rest of the world behind. <laughs>